You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. And welcome to episode 27 of the Needless Things Podcast. This is the introduction. I recorded another introduction last night after watching the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, but I realized it's not really suitable for an introduction, so it's going to go at the end, even though during that introduction I refer to it as an introduction, so don't get confused. Uh, because I maybe had had a few drinks and I totally forgot to mention that you can find the Needless Things podcast on iTunes, you can find it on Stitcher, you can find me on Facebook as L Phantasmus with a ph you can find me on twitter as phantom troublemaker and i'm also on instagram as phantom troublemaker uh please send any feedback you have to phantom troublemaker at gmail.com and let me know what you think about the show uh, if you have not listened before, be aware that this show stems from needlessthingssite.com, where I and a cast of other uh, writers and geniuses will do toy reviews, movie reviews, Lego reviews, pop culture, commentary, all kinds of different things, uh, basically all related to the sort of things that happen at Heroes Con, which is the subject of today's episode. Heroes Con 2014, which took place in Charlotte, North Carolina, two weekends ago, and was a pretty amazing time. Uh, I love Heroes Con. It's my family con experience. Uh, we all go together and are able to enjoy it because of the family-friendly atmosphere that is promoted by the folks who run Heroes Con. Uh, which are the people at Heroes Aren't Hard to Find, which is a comic book shop in Charlotte that we actually got to visit this time around. Uh, great comic shop. It was not the, like, big secret stash style, super revved up comic shop I was expecting. Uh, it is instead a very awesome and thoroughly grounded in comic books comic shop. There are no toys uh, or like video games or shirts or any of that other stuff that, that kind of take away from the comic book experience. They do have statues in there, uh, which is interesting, but really adds to the interior, I think. Like statues, if you are going to sell yourself as a comic book shop, I don't think there's anything wrong with statues. Uh, they're, they're fancy pants pieces of art representations, 3D representations of comic book stuff. So, you know, I get it. I get it. And now it's time for you to get it, because I've got three interviews that I conducted live on the floor at Heroes Con. Uh, I've got a talk with Mike Gordon and Cousin Bill of the ESO Network. And finally, I've got that introduction that I mentioned that is a story of something truly horrible that happened to me at Heroes Con uh, that I hope I cannot be legally uh, responsible for in any way. 
I don't know. Uh, I probably shouldn't put the story on here, but I'm going to do it because all 15 of you deserve to hear it. Uh, and then finally, actually, the, the real finally will be the interview with Box Brown, uh, the creator of Andre the Giant Life and Legend, which I have mentioned uh, many times. And uh, that that's going to be tacked on at the end because my intro introduced that. So it only makes sense, right? Right. Well, right now, we're going to start things off with a talk with Brad McGinty of glorpgum.com. Very cool guy with some amazing art. Uh, we're going to go straight into that, and I'll be back afterwards with more introductory goodness for another thing. All right, it's Saturday at Heroes Con. I'm standing here talking to Brad McGinty because my eye was caught by his huge array of Glorp products. Uh, tell me about Glorp. Glorp gum. First of all, I love the concept. Tell What's the concept? Uh, basically, it's a gum company, and you buy every piece of gum comes with a free T-shirt. Which is fantastic. Yeah. I, I love the reverse gimmick of that. <laughs> well, uh, it's great if you like $20 gumballs. <laughs> well, who doesn't, really? I, I'm sure often you'll just get, you know what, I don't even need the shirt just give me the gum it's so delicious um what do you what concepts here like what inspires you what what's gotten you going you've got a lot of cool kind of i don't i hate the term mashup yeah because i feel that's almost <laughs> like a denigrating term at this point but you've got some really cool stuff here robert cop yeah caught my eye which uh <laughs> robocop with the autobot logo 3po i mean this is absurd yeah it was, that's sort of there's an old kind of famous bootleg toy that I, a lot of people remember i enough, I thought maybe I was the only one who remembered it, but it was called Robert Cop, and it was like a Mexican bootleg toy that was pretty famous, but I just thought, I don't know why I really want to do this shirt. That was like the second shirt I did, and uh, yeah, I just, I just tried to give it a shot, and it turns out a lot of people remember it as well, So, and it's pretty just absurd, so it's weird on its own. And you've got, I mean, you've got some, you've got a Mickey Mouse, you've got a lot of uh, original concepts too, though. I like yeah. this little Glort guy. Where did he come from? Uh, it was just sort of the mascot for the company, and I wanted to show kind of like, I like branding and the kind of all those histories of mascots, you know, over the years how they change, you know. So like that, it's an excuse, basically an excuse to draw like these different logos and concept and bring them through the era, you know, from starting from like 1954 all the way to like the early 90s when the company went under. What, what's your your process? Like as far as when you come up with a design, are you working digitally or are you working in, you know, regular mediums and then transferring it? What, what do you do? Uh, I, uh, I do it all with a, a, a brush. I ink everything with a brush. I don't, and I color digitally. I do the separations digitally. And then I use a lot of Photoshop manipulation to kind of give it its age look or like the replicate old printing processes that I'm always trying to do. Yeah, everything has that kind of, that classic, I don't want to say vintage, but like the, that yeah. classic art look, like very <laughs> Thanks, 50s man. to 70s looking yeah. stuff. Um, what else have you worked on? Like what's your background prior to, to the Glorp stuff? Yeah, I did, uh, I worked in animation for a while. I did comics and uh, for six years I like did work in I, I did uh, pitch stuff production for like a small animation company in Atlanta but okay yeah and I quit doing that a few years ago and now I to do freelance and I sell shirts too kind of so I do like freelance comics and I do illustration and I still do animation for like other companies and stuff like that what was like an early project like what 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 would you say got your foot in the door as far as just showing off your talent and getting you uh, I still feel like I don't have my foot in the door but <laughs> Uh, I thought, well, I did. I'm trying to think. I mean, I just did comics and self-published them on my own. And then uh, uh, I used to work with a guy who did had 
we did pitch stuff with the animation company I worked at and uh, before and then he saw my comics and he was kind of like oh, hooked yeah. me up with that the boss and then they were basically doing internet videos at the time and trying to figure out a streamlined process to do cheap internet animation for which is kind of real popular now but there was back in 2008 or 9 I can't remember when I got hired there to do that so just doing all my own stuff all the time kind of got me the job in animation oh that's cool that's yeah. cool and so, you've so you've been working kind of through this this change where a lot of the self-published stuff is now moving from people literally printing their own comics to just having stuff online having an online oh, yeah. presence for web comics or whatever else have you messed around with that at all yeah I have a web comic called Battle Zoo that I do uh, yeah you can check it out battlezoocomic.com okay and uh, you can find it through the Glorp site too but uh, yeah I, I, yeah, I definitely do more digital comics I don't print many my mini comics up anymore because I, I think people rather buy the shirts and read the comics online I don't know it's sort of a, there's so many different uh, sort of physics models now so I don't really know I kind of try to try out a little bit of each thing like well maybe people read the webcomic and they'll want to buy a shirt and I'll be fine I won't print a book but well and there's a weird distinction there because like for me a shirt is is kind of a practical item mm-hmm. like I can sort of justify $20 on a shirt yeah. almost more than I can justify $3 for a printed comic yeah especially if the comic's available online because yeah. I'm gonna like when I get this shirt I'm gonna bring it home I'm gonna go check out the website I'm gonna like your shirt is not only a product it's marketing yeah like because every somebody wearing for instance the Robert Cobb shirt yeah. somebody's gonna get asked about that shirt and they're yeah. gonna tell the story about oh I met this guy at the con check out his website he does yeah. all this different stuff like like that that's such a it is a good model now like if you can yeah. get your stuff on the t-shirts and show up at the cons yeah. I think that is solid stuff I like designing the shirts are, are fun and people get excited about it and it keeps me interested too I mean self-publishing black and white mini comics I've been doing that since 98 and I just kind of got like so like people were buying less and less of that stuff and looking for other ways to support it and I know a lot of people think it might be easier to sell shirts and comics but it all kind of helps me make more comics if you buy more shirts so. right exactly well and that's the thing now is it seems like when you're working independently you do have to have kind of a, a, a little merchandising empire almost yeah. to keep your your uh, storytelling stuff going yeah I feel like it's I'm not conflicted sometimes but I feel like it's like you know it's supporting the person who makes whatever way they're going to make it you know buying a button for me is just like hey fuck you know hey I, I like these buttons you get a cool button and I get you know I make a little money on a button you know and it's all kind of adds up little piles here and there to kind of help me do more stuff so right every little bit goes yeah I don't think yeah. I don't know a real way to just do your own thing now without you know like being really busy and having a lot of different little things going on <laughs> yeah it definitely seems that way that's with with the stuff I do the website I run like I'm, I'm not making any money on that thing so I've got my day job you know that I that brings in the money and then everything else is purely like alright I've got to figure out because I've, I've printed up some t-shirts I've done, you know I've done a few little things but it is all you have to get momentum but it seems like once you get a little momentum yeah. it kind of <laughs> picks up and, and you can you know start coming to cons and have yeah. a presence here uh, as far as the shirts go when you once you've got a design that you, you're pretty happy with and you're like okay you know what this is going to look good on the front of a person yeah. uh, what's what's your time frame like is there any kind of turnaround like do you have to do a whole lot of planning ahead like okay I'm going to need this for this con or is it more of a okay this stock's running low and I have to balance between if it's really practical to do a whole new run of yeah. these or well like how does that 
work out? Like, how do you, how do you manage your inventory? Oh, okay. I guess. Oh, that's the trick, I guess, t-shirts. I mean, like, usually I do a smaller run first, kind of test it out. I do pre-sales on the pop culture stuff. I used to. I I'm trying to do less of that, but pop culture shirts are obviously more popular because they pay, they got to pay for the other shirts. Yeah, yeah. In their own way, so, but, like, and I'll do, like, a small, a small run I can do, usually, you know, 50 shirts is the prop, it's kind of the smaller run, and then if, if I can sell, usually a 50 shirt, I have to sell, like, 22 of them that are going to pay for a next larger run, I can do, like, a next run. And right, 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 right. So, it took me a while to figure that out. At first, I didn't do it. Like, the first thing I had to order was a ton of shirts, and just, then I slowly... And you're like, kinda, I am stuck with a ton of shirts. Yeah, I've been pretty lucky on that. I mean, I, I only had one of those. It was just a just flat-out disaster. It was my second shirt I did, and it kind of ruined me in a lot of Maybe to some people, and it may have seemed really unreliable, but yeah. it's hard to make money in t-shirts. Oh, I, you know, thanks so much. Yeah, so... Well, what do you what do you got now? What do you what, What's your big pitch now? Oh, right now? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, well, when I get back, I'm going to start, start Battle Zoo again. This second, I start working on the second issue of that, and then I'm going to try to do that monthly for a while and try to sell the comicology, try the digital comics, selling that side of it and work on the book, and then I'll keep doing Glorp shirts. It's like... Uh, all, the, all the summer release usually those are kind of like usually there's like you know the spring release is the big one every year then like mm-hmm. I do I'll do a summer one then like I'll do something for Halloween go like Halloween <laughs> and then I'll be just waiting till spring again so okay, till t-shirt cool. you know uh, warm weather season starts back up <laughs> well, that's interesting you mentioned comicsology. what I guess the distribution is, is what you would want for that because versus just hosting it on your own site and having yeah, your yeah. own thing if you can get it out to comicsology, mm-hmm. then it's going to show up and searches and everything else. Yeah. That's an interesting step I hadn't really thought about. Yeah, I haven't really tried. I haven't tried that side of it yet. I've done the webcomic thing for a long time, but I haven't tried to actually, like, go through that route. Now, I don't know if I'll just, I'll probably just offer the comicology and submit it to their, uh, they have a, that creator on program, and then right. I'll probably just offer, like, the, the, the PDFs, you know, yeah, other yeah. marketplaces, too, just so I can, like, maybe, like, you know, even a dollar here or there can help me kind of maybe get it. I don't know. I think a lot of people may like. I don't know. I'm not a webcomic guy. I have hard to read things on well on the. I online. need to be holding pieces of paper. Yeah, same I, here. I just recently tried it on a tablet. Yeah, it's a little better. I can't better. do it, man. <laughs> it's just I a little I better. Can't, yeah, I, I can't not, even even being able to hold the tablet. I need yeah. paper, man. I need to turn pages. I, I'm the same way. So I'm, but I know people out there who like to read their comics that way. So yeah. I mean, it'd be foolish not to try to do that. But I, I, the thing about the webcomic, for some reason, it really bothers me to do like the one page at a time update. So I try to like update like sections or like break it off in little scenes or at least yeah, yeah. it feels like something because I you gain all that momentum uh, like three or four pages of a, of a fight scene is really good to have but like I feel like if you're waiting to, uh, I don't know it, yeah unless you're literally so. doing like one page of story yeah and releasing that like if you're actually doing like a standard comic one page at a time I, I, those are hard for me to keep up with man. yeah I can't do it either I mean so I'm, I, I think I'm going to release a whole issue at a time probably more excitement and like it, I think it'll read better too I just don't think that's the best way to read a comic is like one page a month or I don't know yeah. it's kind of hard to well nowadays it's it's not even the best to read like one comic a month yeah like the yeah, way they're yeah, doing yeah. storytelling now it's I wait for the books yeah I, I, I don't really buy floppies I love old floppies. I buy lots of old comics. I don't yeah. buy anything new, really, though, unfortunately. Well, and it's because you typically, with the older, like, if, if you go back to the, probably the early 80s and prior, like, most things, I think, kind of had self-contained stories. Yeah. Like, uh, like, you could pick up an issue and get it. And then, yeah. and then Chris Claremont happened, and that went away. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love Claremont. Yeah. He, his Uncanny X-Men are 
what made me love comics. But I feel like he's one of the main guys who kind of started this just momentum of you can't pick up an issue. You've got to figure out where to start. Yeah, you know, exactly. 50 issues prior. <laughs> yeah, that continuity just kills it all, yeah. Awesome. I want to get a shirt, um, but it's been good talking to you, man. I really appreciate it, and uh, everybody needs to check out. Where can we find the Glorp site? Uh, you go to glorpgum.com or you go to bradmcginty.com, and that has links to every other thing. So they all feed each other. There's a bunch of sites. So <laughs> Cool, cool. Awesome. Thanks thank, so much, man. Hey, thank you. Awesome. Be sure to check out glorpgum.com to see all of Brad's excellent artwork. Uh, he's got a really interesting style that appealed to me personally. And now, let's check in to illustrator and storyteller Jordan T. Neves. I'm here talking to Jordan T. Neves, and we're at Heroes Con. It's the first day. It's pretty early on. There's there's a decent number of people, but it's kind of starting to pack up a little bit. Uh, Jordan, what are you doing here? What are you promoting? What are you pushing? I am selling my comics. Um, just, you know, I got, I have a webcomic that was going on earlier this year that I had to stop for a bit because I got sick for two weeks, you know, but I've got I've got everything I did collected here in a mini. Okay. Got a couple older minis, one from last year, one from earlier this year. Um, just, you know, and I got a couple prints and stuff. I got a Talking Heads. Uh, there's the 30th anniversary of the Talking Heads uh, Stop Making Sense movie, so I figured I'd do a print for that. Oh, beautiful. Uh, you know, just a few other stuff and commissions. What's your what's kind of your main project? What, what is your big deal right now? Um, it was it was uh, my webcomic Marauder, which is kind of a it's a sci-fi war comic and uh, just with really flam not flamboyant, uh, just unusual character designs. I just like you know took some pages from the Muppets, that kind of thing. Oh, okay, cool. And, uh, but yeah, that stopped when I got sick for two weeks. Are you going to get back to it? I probably will after Heroes Con. Now that I can, I've actually settled down. Uh, I had problems with roommates, so I had to move out. Oh gosh, it's so, so it's well, what stinks when you're doing something creative? It's so easy, like to get off track for just a yeah. second, oh, and, and then your steam just. And I've been working six days a week since last October, so it's a miracle. Oh my gosh, it's a miracle I was able to start the webcomic at all, to be honest. But um, yeah, I. I, I want to get back to it as soon as possible. Uh, where can we find it? Uh, it's www. I, it's unnecessary, uh, but <laughs> it's uh, maraudercomic.com. Um, M-A-R-A-U-D-E-R if nobody knows how to spell Marauder. It's entirely possible. Yeah, this I, is the internet. There's a good chance Marauder's going to... Yeah. <laughs> people are not going to get it. Yeah. Um, what? So and I know all about having to work the day job while trying to kind of keep your your uh, your true passions going. It's hard to fit that stuff in. What, as far as making the webcomic, like what, what's involved in that? Are you drawing digitally or are you um, drawing and then scanning? How, what's your process? I, I am hardcore traditional all the way for everything except coloring, which is where I'm like completely opposite. I could not color anything in real life to save my life. Um, <laughs> but uh, for Marauder, what I did was, what I originally did was, I, I had a scanner that was only uh, you know eight and a half by eleven. Right. So I drew everything on eight and a half by eleven cardstock for the oh first, let's say, fifteen pages, uh, which. I don't know. It. I like. I love drawing things small, uh-huh. um, but it, it kind of gets old after a while. Um, I was using a light box, you know, that kind of thing. That makes it easier. But uh, and then, then I finally got a big scanner for Christmas, and 
rest is history. Started using bigger sizes finally. How did you transition to bigger size? Because I, I kind of just as a hobby do a little bit of like cartooning, and since I was in high, you know high school and everything, I've always kind of drawn a little bit. But like you said, I always preferred just drawing on smaller surfaces because I, I started with eight and a half by eleven notebooks. Yeah. And I've never you know I've bought larger like Bristol boards and stuff yeah. just to play with. I can't draw on larger stuff, it's, man. How'd you do it? Um. Well, I mean, it's not much larger. It's about like I went from eight and a half by eleven to nine by twelve, so okay, it's okay. not that so much not bigger. A huge difference. Okay. Um, uh, these these two comics right here that I'm these other ones that aren't uh, associated with a book comic. Well, one of them is, but uh, I drew those on eleven and a half by seventeen, and that it, it's it's really interesting. You know, you kind of have to. One thing I've learned is you really have to use your elbow more when you draw big. You yeah, know, you yeah. gotta you're way more gestural. Um, and uh, for me, it's it's a bit of a chore, but the results look way better when you shrink big art down. It looks so much better that as opposed to having to like you see my convention banner right here. I drew this on eight and a half by eleven, and obviously I didn't get a high enough DPI. <laughs> right, right, right. But it still looks fine. No, it still looks solid. I mean, it's a solid cartoon. Because uh, you know you get the textures because I was also on cardstock, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's a it's a struggle. You know, I can't print on eight and a half by eleven. But and you know, when I was a kid, I would draw. I look back at old sketchbooks, and I would have stuff that was like an inch high at most. I don't know how I ever got. Well, that's what bigger. what I found when I was trying to transition is rather than actually drawing larger, I was just squeezing more panels. Yeah, in. yeah, yeah. Like it was hard to avoid Which, doing. Yeah, that. and I actually last year I tried doing a my 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 usual format is I do um, nine nine panel grids, you know? Uh-huh. Then I I tried a comic last year, which was 12 panel grids, and that just totally burned me out. It's, it's so much work. It's, it's weird, even though it's... Well, it's got to be hard to, to tell the story yeah. like that. I mean, that's that 12, and, that's asking yeah. a lot of yourself, I think. Well, awesome. Thanks. It's been cool talking to you, man. Absolutely. Um, check out MaraudersComic.com, and uh, you've, you've got several other projects. What are the what is on the beach? I, for, on the um, beach was the first thing I saw. Uh, it is. Well, that was uh, something I drew immediately after I. Well, actually, yeah, I, I drew that immediately after I finished being sick for two weeks. Um, that was that was I drew it for. The uh, thing I do with my minis is I, I draw each one specifically for a convention I go to most okay. of the time. Cool. Um, and that one was just one I did for Emerald City Comic Con. Um, it's just kind of a sci-fi... It's a little bit like a, a sci-fi crime thing, and uh, I, I still, I, did, I couldn't come up with a good name, so I stole a name from a Neil Young album. So uh, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Yeah, uh, and it's kind of maybe it's obvious to Neil Young fans, but um, yeah, uh, it doesn't really have anything to do with the Neil Young album, really. But nothing wrong with that. A, yeah. a, a catchy set of words is a catchy set of words. Anyway, yeah, and I just, I just wanted to draw. A pretty girl in charge of uh, a story. Because, uh, I don't know, I, I felt kind of burnt out on more comics. I just, you know, you for me, I listen to a whole lot of just really intense music when I draw Marauders. So uh-huh. I just kind of was able to... I just got done being bedridden for two weeks. And I was just like, i, I got to draw something nice. Do something mellow. Yeah, yeah. nice. Even, even though people get shot in it. <laughs> You gotta have a little oh, bit of the It's grief, not. It's right? not a million uh, like pig clones being shot. It's just one person. So, well, very cool. Everybody, keep an eye out for Jordan at your local comic convention. And uh, thanks so much for talking, man. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely, that was great. Thanks a lot, man. 
And I'm here, live at Heroes Con, once again, with Mike Gordon and Cousin Bill. Hello. Welcome, welcome Mike and Cousin Bill. <laughs> Happy. <laughs> Hello again. <laughs> we, are, we are minus a Bobby Nash this year. The award-winning. That's right. Thank you. I'm under contract by Bobby Nash <laughs> to say that. <laughs> I think we all are, so Mike and I just violated ours. But it won't be the last thing we violate tonight. hey oh, <laughs> That's not true. Uh, we are here in the food court of the lovely Charlotte Convention Center. Uh, Saturday has just wrapped up at Heroes Con 2014 or 2014 or 2-0-1-4 or whatever the vernacular is now for that. I don't know. What do you say, Bill? Two years after we were all supposed to be uh, eliminated from the Mayan calendar. Yes. It's all plus for us. Good. I, I like that. And rather than just saying 2014, we'll say... Plus two. My... Mayan end plus two. Yes. I like that. That's a good new system of measurement. I think you should take pictures of kittens and put out a calendar with this new this new way of women, thinking. Women all over the world will thank you for they just became a lot younger. <laughs> That's right. This is great. Well, we're done, folks. Thanks for listening. Uh, I got in Thursday night and stayed at a new hotel, which I loved because the color scheme of the entire hotel was purple and green. It was fantastic. Uh, I did not get as many pictures with the purple and greenery as I would have liked, but we had a nice day. Uh, and I've got to say, the Westin is good and it's super convenient, but the Hilton is only a tiny bit further away. And I just, I'm a Hilton guy. I dig Hilton. I, I've got the points there, whatever it is you do with the program and the thing where 15 years from now I'll get like a free night or something. But uh, I dig the Hilton. So if, if you want to come to Heroes Con and the Westin is is uh, your preferred hotel and it's sold out or whatever, the Hilton's not a bad alternative. Uh, you guys are, are hanging out at the Hampton. You're standing, yeah, at the Hampton. And I'll give we, a shout out to that one. <laughs> the sister of the Hilton. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're hanging out with the Hilton sister. <laughs> I, I hear she's a little easier. <laughs> she is. Uh, you get a nice breakfast. There's breakfast in the morning. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> she puts on a great breakfast. We did not uh, free Wi Fi. I, I didn't so. uh, sample. I forgot to bring my laptop in, and and I was so proud that I remembered to stick my laptop in my suitcase, and I have not used it yet. So that's worked out really well for me. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, there are tons and tons of hotels around here, which I didn't realize until I actually got into town. There's probably was, more hotels than there are places to eat. I would agree At least with downtown. That. Well, reasonable places to eat, because we went walking around uh, Friday night, and it seems like everywhere within walking distance of here, barring a couple of places like Fuel, uh, they're, they're all kind of fancy-schmancy like we would walk by and think, I don't know that we're dressed well enough to go into that place. Would you say that the places are uh, where the business folks that work downtown can go for lunch? Yes, I would absolutely say that. Cater to that rather than a convention crowd. Rather than a guy in a purple and green mask. (laughs) Right. They don't want to see me come in at all. Your money's just as good as theirs, albeit purple. Angry. <laughs> yeah, I did wash my wallet with my mask, so everything's purple now. Um, 
But I mean, really, I just walking around Charlotte, the the two nights that we've done it so far, uh, you know, not to get too far away from talking about Heroes Con, but Charlotte is really a nice little place to just walk around and spend some time. It yes. is, yes, especially in the, when the when the weather's like this and it's not so steaming hot. Yeah, it's not and oppressive. Body, yes. But and it used to be even more barren uh, prior to the NASCAR museum opening up. It's so that there's a lot more places to eat. There's a lot more uh, places to stay. The, the downtown area has really been revitalized since the uh, in the last like four or five years because of the NASCAR museum. Really, that's interesting. Yeah, we. Uh Last year, we ate at the Wild Wing that is adjacent and attached to the NASCAR Museum. And we were going to eat there Friday night, just for familiarity's sake. And nobody ever served us. Oh. We will not be returning to the Wild Wing, because if there's one thing I expect out of a restaurant, it's food. (laughs) (laughs) That didn't happen. Uh... So when you guys, is this your first day? Yes, we came in. Uh, we came in Friday night. Okay. Late Friday night because uh, I had to work the day job. So we left Friday. Uh, left Atlanta Friday. Got here um, pretty late. So um, crashed and then just uh, yeah came up and enjoyed uh, Saturday. I, I feel like it's busier this year because yesterday Friday. I expected to be able to come in and do the same thing I did last year, just interview a bunch of creators, just sit down. Because last year I was able to walk up to pretty much anybody, you know, not huge names, but most of the people in there I could just walk up to and chat with for right around 10 minutes mm-hmm. and, and not have any kind of issues or anything, like people wouldn't line up behind me or anything. This year I got through two interviews and it got busy to the point where I didn't really feel comfortable wanting to monopolize people's time like that. Right. Uh, it was definitely busier, and I think today was a lot busier than Saturday last year. There was a lot of people here. I mean, I don't know. I can't really say whether it was busy as last year or not because it just seemed like there was a lot more. I mean, it, it's a bigger floor, and it's more spread out than it has been in prior years. Last year was the first year that they had the big, big, huge floor. Yeah, they opened it all the way up. Yeah, uh, and uh, and it does seem like there's enough people. It doesn't feel empty. It seems right. like there's plenty of people here to fill that room. It justifies the room. You, you wouldn't necessarily know that it was a bigger room. Like, it's still pretty packed up. Right, like a, right. People are constantly, and it's not, you know, it's not Dragon Con bad. It's not yeah. like you're bumping shoulders. I mean, there's a little but, bit of dead space where there's, like, yeah. the cars parked and, you know, the last few. And the bounce house, which is genius, the Spider-Man bounce house, which I think this is the first year they've done that. Yeah. Um, but that's such a good idea because kids were over there all day. And I think, you know, to have kids at this con, to be able to go to something like that every once in a while and let them jump around and expend some energy is is a good thing. Mm-hmm. I know I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> How many times did you get kicked out again? Well, you know, there is a, a restraining order now. So <laughs> I think I've uh, been in one too many times. He's uh, he's officially banned from all bounce-tastic attractions. <laughs> uh, I told you to take your keys out of your pocket. Well, I, uh, I haven't been here since 2011, and I can definitely say I see a big difference. Much larger floor, much larger crowd. Not like Dragon Con is now, but uh, they do, like you said, fill the room. 
Um, but this show has grown in the past, you know, three years mm-hmm. dramatically. So, but it still is a great show to attend, and it's uh, it's a dedicated comic show, and I, I give it two thumbs up. And that is kind of the point is. Uh Everybody here is on the same page, so to speak. We're all here because we love comic books. The creators and the attendees, we are all... It's not like a multimedia-type thing where there are lots of different things being represented, like movies and TV and comics and everything else. This is a comic show, and you can tell that. And it's a family-friendly comic show. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I I think that uh, because you can see... uh, people visiting both uh, new and old creators and actually you know respecting them whereas at some of the media shows that you that I've been to you see you know creators uh, that are just kind of sitting there and because there might be a lot of people there but there's not a lot of people there that are really in the comics right right and well and that's the thing is this uh and you know, I, I don't have any problem with people who are new to fandom or anything right. like that. I definitely encourage that kind of thing. But this does bring in the more focused fan. Yeah. Uh, you, you get the people who are a little more knowledgeable and, like you said, a little more respectful of everything that's going on. And everybody really is here to have a good time. And it's not just for people who are interested in meeting comic creators. And, I mean, there's a whole side of it. People collecting original art. People getting commissions. People talking directly to the artist. Getting stuff signed. Sometimes one book. Sometimes a hundred. Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> and, and all, but also, I mean, on the other side of it, there's uh, fantastic dealers, lots of back issue bins. Uh, if you are looking for comics, if you're looking for back issues, if you like looking through back, back issues, some shows don't have that anymore. Yeah. Heroes still devotes a lot of time to that, which is interesting because, I mean, it's run by Sheldon, who runs a comic shop, and you would think, you know, he would not want to have his quote unquote competition here, but yet this place is full of comic dealer. Yeah. And always has been comic friendly no matter if you're a dealer, if you're another person who puts on a show, if you're anything that's related to comics. Um, he has a pretty hard fast rule. You're not going to find, you know, wrestlers here. You're not going to find superstars. You're not going to find, right. uh, you know, extras in The Walking Dead. You're not going to find, you're not going to find any of that because unless they're comic motivated, you know, and comic centered, they won't be here. This is probably the only convention in the South East where you won't find extras from The Walking Dead. <laughs> it's true. Because <laughs> you trip over them. Uh, you know, or at I least mean, not as guests. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm sure a couple of them may have shown up just to be here. Uh, it, but it is, it's kind of a level a level ground here where you can feel comfortable talking to anybody. Uh, the creators are thrilled to be here. They're, yes. they're happy to be interacting. They're happy to be promoting their projects. Whether Because, you know, you get a lot of people that work for the big companies, Marvel, DC, IDW image um and scholastic <laughs> scholastic I mean true I mean how how many times do you go to a show and you you know you see scholastic like you were saying it's family friendly mm-hmm. because uh, the kids the scholastic books the kids are reading those guys are here too yeah and that's very cool because it gives 
these creators that may be working on, uh, you know, a larger thing for another company, whether it's Scholastic or Marvel or whatever, but they also have their own projects that they can bring here and talk about and and push alongside, you know, if somebody's working on just Spider-Man, for example, and that's what they're known for, but they also bring in some of their indie stuff, self-published stuff. You know, it's a way to broaden your knowledge of, of everything, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Another thing that uh, I've noticed from that's changed over the last three years from the last show that I attended, there's a lot more cosplay going on uh, than there was three years ago. Um, that seems like, I would say it's grown by almost five times, which is just amazing. Yeah, I would agree. I've seen a lot. I feel like I've seen a lot more costumes. Yes, that's true. Like weekend. at every con, but yeah, yeah. But but with a con that's mostly known for, you know, comic people to go to, mm-hmm. it is kind of more unusual to see. But what's really cool is that the cosplay is again all comic book centric. I mean, yeah, you're not. You'll see an occasional Doctor Who. Um, and maybe a Darth Vader or Stormtrooper here and there, but I mean, you're going to see, of course, a lot of Deadpool's, a lot of Deadpool's, a lot of Deadpool's, a lot of Harley Quinns. Uh, but you know what? I I have seen a lot of Harleys, but there have been a lot of variations on Harley this yeah. year that I thought were really neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, you know, she is a character who's been depicted a lot of different ways in like pinup art and, and whatever else. And uh, it's some of these girls have really done some cool creative things. I like the one with the utility belt. I don't think I saw her. She uh, she had the traditional Harley Quinn costume. Uh, with with a couple of minor tweaks to it, mm-hmm. but she had a utility belt with a bunch of grenades and like some other items on it, and she had a really solid hammer too. And that's the other thing that's interesting about Harley is all the different ways they do the hammers. Yes, yes, different sizes, different shapes, whether they're covered in blood or not. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I saw one today with a baseball bat. Yeah, and that was appropriate. I mean, it's like yeah, there, there's that's one like the Deadpool's. Like you've seen one Deadpool, you've seen them. I mean, they're just the they're part, just here yeah. all shape and sizes. Yeah. You know, but the, pretty much the outfit's the same. Whereas Harley Quinn, each one seems like each customer has something a little different that they put. Whether they like the animated one or whether they like the video game one or the, the comic one, you know, and there's been multiple interpretations of that. Or whether they just have their own. Yeah. Yeah, and that's really neat. That's that's one of the things that I think has made that character kind of keep going yeah. as far as being popular at cons is the ability to do that. And the appreciation, because a lot of characters, if you mess with them, it doesn't go over too well, uh, but, but with her, I think everybody appreciates seeing different takes on her. Mm-hmm. Since we're talking costumes, I guess I'll go ahead and relate my story of uh, when I first got to the con, because I think that needs to be uh, recorded for, for posterity. Uh, we got here Friday morning, first thing when it opened, and went down the little escalator. If you're not familiar with the setup, there's a main floor on the convention center, and then you go down an escalator to the hall uh, where the con actually is held. And there are turnstiles at the top of the escalator. You go through those, people check your wristband, then you go down uh, the escalator and go into the hall. Well, there was a convention security guard staff member outside of the doors having everybody take their masks off, uh, and she was being terribly rude about it. Which I didn't realize till I got to her, and she said, "Take your mask off." And I just stopped. I didn't. I had no words. I didn't know how to respond to it. I didn't. I was absolutely taken aback. And I'm not often rendered speechless, but I was because I was so unexpected. Uh, she might as well have asked me to take my pants off. 
Uh, well, no, that never happens. But <laughs> I was going to say, like, well, no, that doesn't happen. Uh, it's hard to stop, and I was like, "Well, wait, it's a there's costume." But she's like, "You need to take your mask off. You cannot wear it inside that hall." And I just stopped again and didn't really know what to say. And she said the words, "Take your mask off," five or six times to me. I mean, just just as rude as she could possibly be. I was I was shocked. And my wife and my son were with me, and I told them to go on inside. And at that point, I, I thought, I guess, like, I guess I'm going to go take off the troublemaker suit and just go in normally because I can't very well wear a white suit and a purple and green Hawaiian shirt with my regular head on top of it. That's not a variant anybody's going to buy. Uh, so I went to head back to the car, and then I thought about it, and I realized, like, you know, I, I get my mask made or whatever, but really I just cobble stuff together to wear. I don't really invest a whole lot of time into what I do as Phantom Troublemaker. Uh, and I thought about the people that do, people that spend hundreds of hours and dollars on their costumes who last year at Heroes Con were planning their costumes for this year and working on them that whole 12 months and excited to wear them to Heroes Con. And I thought about these people going down that escalator and being told that they couldn't wear this costume that they put together. And it, it kind of irritated me. A little bit, like I was already irritated, obviously. Sure. But at the same time, if they were, if that was their rule, then I was going to deal with it. But then I thought, I was like, it's unrealistic. This is a comic book convention. I, I just don't. I can't believe that that's really correct. I think that lady must be mistaken. So I went to the table, and immediately, uh, the Heroes Con staff that were at the table were, were immediately on it. They were very helpful. They they both were like, that's crazy. This is a comic book convention. Let me go get the supervisor. So one of them went back and got a supervisor, and he came out, and he was like, <laughs> he said, tell me again what happened? And I described it to him, and he said, I don't, what? No, this is my convention. That's not correct. Come with me. And walked me back down the escalator, and I was going to stand there and, and you know, because I didn't feel comfortable going in until it was cleared. But he turns to me and he goes, just go on inside, man. You're good. <laughs> and I was like, but are you and the lady standing there just fuming? Uh, and he's like, dude, you're good. Go on in. It's cool. And apparently it got taken care of because I went in and out a couple of times. Nobody said anything. I walked right in today, and there have been people in there with masks and helmets and dead mouse heads and, you know, whatever else, what, what have you. Uh, walking around and I saw the guy that helped me out again today and he was like nice mask and I was like oh thanks man <laughs> so I want to I want to say the convention center as far as the security personnel goes I'm sure now she was rude and there was no excuse for that but I'm sure she thought she was doing her job because they probably do have events here where they don't want, like, you. in general, at a normal event, you people don't, don't walk that. around in costumes. You like don't this. want masks. And if she's not used to that, you know, it, it's reasonable to think that there may be some kind of rule or something that at our standard events, people can't conceal their identity or, you know, whatever else. Uh, I did think it was really funny, though, that she was so concerned about my mask, but nobody searched the big bag that I had with me. Uh... 
But so I will say on the, on behalf of the convention center, I, I, I get where they were coming from. But on behalf of Heroes Con, they got on it like that and took care of the situation in a second, and I, that blew me away. I have never had an issue with the staff here. Uh, that they have, I mean, I'm talking about the, the Heroes Con staff, not the security staff. Right, I right. mean, they are, uh, I mean, you know, and it's from the top down. I mean, Sheldon puts on a good show, um, and they all help him put on the best show possible. And they will do whatever they can to, to help anybody out with any issue that you have. Mike, I hate to interrupt you, but this is an amazing segue because security is getting ready to kick us out of here. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> And we will be right back. The following message has been endorsed by the Needless Things Podcast and NeedlessThingsSite.com. Hi there, it's Le Sexoflex. And we're here to promote Needless Things. Because what you don't need is another person to get off. But you might need some comic books or something. Needless Things, a podcast you should listen to and or a blog and or both. Thank you. All right, we are back and Mike, Cousin Bill, and myself have relocated to the uh, hallway in front of the restrooms in the Westin. <laughs> Uh, it's a very classy location, uh, typical of what you might expect from Needless Things in ESO. Uh, Sparing no expense. Yes, because there are no expenses to be had. <laughs> it's very elegant, so we're going to use our elegant voices now. It is elegant, I'm not going to lie. Like, this is, for as far as bathroom hallways go, this one's pretty nice. Uh, my stool is, is fairly comfortable. Wow, that's, that's good. <laughs> it's good since we're right next to the bathroom. That stool is going to be moving. Um, but uh, so anyway, we got kicked out of the convention center and relocated here to the West End. And now we have a gentleman in an incredibly fancy smoking jacket and some Zubaz pants that I'd like to talk to when he's done. You don't stop somebody on their way into the bathroom, but I think it's okay to catch them on their way out. Uh, and what's going to be really funny is if he's not here with the convention. Like, that's just his... What? What? I mean, this is a costume. This is his Saturday night. Right. Evening this wear. This is Saturday night. That's what I do. I go to the Westin Bar. Uh, suddenly, I want to be that guy. I, uh, I didn't know not- until just now... That I wanted to be that guy, but now more than ever, I want to be that guy. It would be kind of nice. Just imagine having the funding just to go stay in a hotel Saturday night. Like, just go, right, you know what, I'm just going to go stay at the Westin Saturday night. Every Saturday night, that's going to be my night. And just walk around like half. Yeah. That would be kind of cool. I like, it's funny, I was having this conversation with, with Little Troublemaker, of all people. He likes hotels. He likes going. It's exciting to go stay in the hotel uh, Friday when we're on our way up here. I'm sorry, Thursday when we're on our way up here. Uh, he wanted to get to the hotel. When we went out to eat, he was like, I want to go back and lay down in the hotel room. Like, he was he's super excited. And I realized, I told him, I was like, you know what? I like hotels, too. And I decided it was one of those moments I was like, I need to think about this. I need to examine what it is I like about hotels 
And I think the part of me that doesn't care for housekeeping and like cleaning things up and and maintenance really enjoys hotels, which that part of me is most of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also like the style of hotels, like even the tacky stuff, like the fact that it's all kind of a theme. Like, every part of it, there's some kind of... There's a statement being made. Gotcha. I enjoy being... I like the hotel atmosphere. I've stayed in enough of them. I mean, there's good and there's bad, but I do... I enjoy a good stay. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I I love hotels. For all those reasons. But it's an interesting point to get back to Heroes. (laughs) (laughs) To get back to what now? (laughs) What were we talking about? (laughs) But it's an interesting point. It is one of the reasons, like, uh, you know, if you compare... Uh, this show to other cons, uh, notably like, you know, fan cons that take place in hotels. I mean, Heroes does take place in a convention center. Yeah. And there are hours, and you cannot stay past those hours <laughs> as we as, we as we just discovered. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, everybody has to get out and, and you know, go their own way. Yeah. So there's, uh, whereas most fan-run uh, conventions that take place in hotels... They can go all night, and they can have fan activity all night and fan interaction all night. Which, I mean, to an extent, Heroes does, but you do you just have to find the stuff. Because there will be people right. out here in the Westin Bar yeah. until they stop serving. Right. There's people, but they, they are scattered. Yeah. 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 And, then, I mean, there's stuff going on. Usually, I haven't checked into anything this year, but I know last year uh, there were a couple of shows at local clubs that were directly related to Heroes Con stuff. Like, I think there was a... One of the big nerd bands, I don't remember who it was, it wasn't uh, Kirby Crackle or anything like that, but it was like one of the, you know, that genre of music was playing, like mm-hmm. there was stuff going on, but you just have to figure out how to get to it, which I have not done this year. The city has embraced the convention. I mean, they, yeah. the city that, well, you know, the, the, the Charlotte knows that Heroes has been in it around long enough, that this is just something that happens, you know, in sometime in June, a weekend, and it's Heroes, and uh, they do get a lot of revenue from it. Um, you know, especially since they, you know, they, um, got a lot more hotel rooms and the show's gotten bigger. Um, I think they, you know, they like us coming here. Yeah, yeah, they definitely do. And that's another thing about just, you know, talking earlier about walking around Charlotte, it's, it feels very laid back. Mm-hmm. There's no, like in Atlanta, there's this tension when you're walking around downtown and not just from the fear of being shot or assaulted in some way, but there's just kind of a general tension down there where I'm never entirely at ease. And I'm sure there's some folks that are fine. You know, people who live down there, I'm sure they're okay. But, but here in Charlotte, there, there's not that tension. There's not that unease. It's very, very comfortable and friendly. It's a a city, but it's not a a huge city. Yeah. Um, And it is more laid back. There's not, you know, the downtown area is not packed with traffic. It doesn't, you know, smell like a city. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's a, it's pretty clean. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it seems like a nice place to be. Do you think that's part of how Heroes has stayed so pure with comic books? Uh, is that it is more of a laid-back city. It is more comfortable. Because I, I feel like if it were in a bigger city... The other media elements might have found a way to kind of force their way in. You know, obviously Sheldon's in control of what goes on in the con, but, sure. but it, I, I think this is kind of the city that Heroes has to be in. Yes. Yes, I would agree with that. I mean, 
there you you can be the best promoter in the world. You can be the best comic store owner in the world. You can try to you get the best people to come uh, to your convention, but the um, right the people aren't going to keep coming if you know when the convention hall is closed. There's nowhere cool to go. Yeah. So Charlotte has enough cool places to go and hang out and relax so that it doesn't feel like a, a stressful thing to do. And a lot of uh, comic folks like to come here just because it's like it's a relaxing show. It's not one that demands a lot from them. Yeah, and they don't feel the pressure to uh, to go and participate in other things afterwards. Like, I'm sure a lot of these guys, you know, they may hang out at the Westin Bar, but a lot of them probably just go back to their room and get a good night's sleep and yeah. appreciate it. It's a, it's a, And it's cheaper for them, too. I mean, if yeah. you go to a big metro area, you're going to spend a lot more in hotel, you're going to spend a lot more in travel, you're going to spend a lot more expenses. Yeah, yeah. So, and Charlotte is pretty reasonably priced when it comes to all that. What have you guys been doing? I, I managed to do, I managed to get a couple of interviews yesterday, just kind of walked around and saw the sites. It's funny because it's all in one hall, but there's so much of it you can walk across the hall several times and not catch everything. Well, that's it. We were talking earlier before we started recording about the things that we had done seen. Mm. And even though both of us had been across the entire floor, um, we had had different experiences. Yeah, we entirely. Had, we had seen different people. Like, what? He's here? I did not see him. Yeah. What? You know that, and that's uh, that shows you like how much stuff is here. Which, as a note to our listeners, you can avoid that confusion if you just stop by the table at the very front of the convention hall that has the programs that list everybody that's here and where they're sitting. But that's for that's that's not for me. No, and I like to just search things out. I like to, I mean, I come prepared. I mean, I try to figure out who's here so yeah. I can get some books to sign and all that and what I want to purchase and all that kind of stuff so I make decisions beforehand and plan. But even so, I mean, once you get here, because either they've got cancellations or people have just moved, I mean, you just, and, and late additions, you never know who's going to be here. Yeah. So. And that's, uh, you just experienced uh, that uh, all three creators. Yes, yes, I had no idea. I, uh, I actually, uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, Juan Doe's work, uh, from his, uh, the, the Spanish edition Fantastic Four one shots that he's done. And, uh, but oddly enough, I, I, as much as I wanted to bring those for him to sign, I could not find them. Uh-huh. So the only thing I could find was his, uh, uh, the first issue of his, uh, Legion of Monsters miniseries that he did. And, uh, which is incredible. It's really good. And I didn't, I wasn't bummed that I was going to get that signed. But what I didn't know is that all three creators who worked on that book were here. So I got the complete creative team to sign it rather than just like just him. So that was pretty awesome. And uh, yeah, that's kind of cool stuff that happens. Uh, I had a similar, similar experience, uh, with Kelly Jones uh, a couple of years ago where I had him sign a couple of books and he was like, well, hey, the inker is sitting right there. And I was like, oh, great. And I went over to the anchor and ended up having a pretty good talk with him. Uh, in, in the days before I was recording these things, I, I think of all the conversations I've had with with some of the creators and and the ones that I didn't record and the ones that are, were, were awesome talks mm-hmm. and are just, you know, not even really in my memory because this thing's failing fast, my <laughs> friends. Let me just tell you, this, this storage capacity is, is near full. It's time for a new flash drive. 
So what is, uh, have you had one particular thing that was really cool or, or one event at Heroes that you thought was, was kind of the trademark of this weekend so far? At the top of my list was to get uh, Art Adam's signature uh, and meet him because I've never met him before. He's probably the biggest name that I met today mm. uh, just simply because I, I am, I think he might have been at maybe like bigger shows like San Diego or New York that I've been to, but that's impossible to get near him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, his caliber of work is just such that I, I was surprised that uh, when we went by, there was a little bit of a line, but it was like about 10 deep. So I was like, I think I'm just going to stay here. Yeah, and, now's uh, the time. Yeah. So, and he was great. Um, uh, I noticed that uh, out of the 10 people that, you know, were in front of me, I think at least three of them had about 50 books a piece that they wanted signed, <laughs> which I still, I mean, I, I've seen it enough, and, and no matter how often I see it, I still don't quite understand it. No. Um, I mean, I know, yeah, I don't. Uh, anyway. <laughs> like it, but um, anyway, I know it happens. So I'm prepared for it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I got, see a guy and I'm standing in line and he's got a little short box, I'm, you know, okay, that guy's going to have a lot of, uh, going to be here for a while. He's going to monopolize the time. Yeah, it's like, can I just come in with my one book, please? I've seen creators do that, though, where if they do have a stack, yeah. they'll they'll stop and do individual stuff and then go back to the mm. stack, which I think is very cool. What I liked was uh, that there were two things. One, that uh, uh, when people would come up with a huge stack, Art Adams' face was kind of like, really? <laughs> Uh, even though, you know, he's been around long enough. He knows. He knows he's not yeah. to expect it. But still, he's going to give him that face. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then also he kind of, like, eyes the donation bin. Because a lot sure. of creators, that's one thing I've noticed here. I've seen it occasionally here and there. But a lot of the artists this year in particular seem to have, like, we'll sign stuff for you. But if you wouldn't mind making a donation yes. here. Um, you know, for a cause. Like, the signing things are not, like, they, they will be selling things, and it's not all going to, you know, uh, all this, the, 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 the proceeds from their sales are not going to go to the charities, but for signatures, they are taking donations. And Well, and that's cool, because I, I saw Cliff Chang mm-hmm. and Tim Sale both had similar things. Actually, Tim Sale, every time I've seen him at a convention, he has had a charity uh, a donation bucket. I did not even see Tim Sale here this this week. I haven't yeah. seen, uh, um, Francesco Francavia had one near his uh, this today, and uh, two of the other artists had them as well. So, yeah, that seems to be a trend. And that's really great. That's a great trend to have. Yeah. Uh, Bill, what well, are you I was just going to add to that. Uh, one thing I seen for the first time uh, because this artist was so busy. Uh, they weren't even doing signings until the last 10 minutes of every hour. Oh, interesting. So I've never seen that before, but, you know, they have so many commissions that they sure. need to do. Sure, So that was kind of interesting. That's, that's And you know what? That's reasonable because, I mean, yeah, these guys, you know, they, they've, they're here and people want to get stuff signed. And the fact that you have something to get signed means you have supported that artist in some way. Uh-huh. But the folks that are here getting sketches and stuff, I mean, that's big money. Yeah. That, that is, you know, you've got to take care of those people. So, I, you know, I don't, that's, yeah, that makes sense. That's I'm very much surprised that, uh, with who the big lines were for. Um, because, uh, you know, there's big names here. I wasn't surprised to see that there was a line for Art Adams. 
Um, but um, a huge line for Kevin Eastman. Mm-hmm. I was very pleasantly surprised to see a, a rather long line for Roy Thomas. I've met and talked to and got his autograph, Roy Thomas, before um, at a couple of um, Heroes Cons like years ago. And I just walked right up. Mm. It's kind of nice to see people appreciating like the old school guys. Yeah. Um, he So he had about, I mean, a good line, uh, 15, 20 people waiting for him. Uh, and also, I mean, he's a writer. And I have to like also say that in the middle of this whole big art show where people are getting prints and commissions and the artists seem to rule the day, it's nice to see writers kind of getting a little bit too. Matt Fraction and uh, McCormick, right? What's, uh, what's her name? The one that Kelly Sue DeConnick. Thank you. Uh, their line was incredibly yeah. long. Hers was the first big line I saw uh, when when we got here Friday morning. Mm-hmm. We saw that huge line, uh, 30, 40, I mean, just one of those yeah. big lines that goes yeah. across half the hall. Right. And uh, my wife kind of looked, she was like, who in the world is this? And we couldn't, the line was so big. We couldn't get around it to see who it was for. Like, we had to go back around the other side of the table, and I was like, oh, it's Kelly Sudeconic, which is, I mean, she's on fire right now. Right, exactly, and it's nice to see. I mean, you know, not to single out women creators, but how often do you see that? Especially um, women writers. You know, how often do you see that? I mean, I think Gail Simone's the only one I've ever seen have a line even half that long, you know? Uh, of course, how many female writers are working on any kind of high-profile titles? Uh, there's that, too. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a Probably. factor of it. Uh, another writer who had a pretty long line, old school, Jim Starlin. Yeah, line people. You know what? I heard the name Starlin more than I heard, like, as far as people just talking about creators and, and the kind of buzz you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I heard Jim Starlin's name probably more than anybody else. People were really talking about him being here. It was interesting. Yeah, that's, you know, I mean, that's cool. I mean, I like, you know, it's it's cool that the hot guys and the hip guys are, are here and doing work and today's work. But I really like it that the that this crowd in particular appreciates the, the old school guys. Speaking of hip guys, I want a number from each of you. Don't say it out loud yet. How many guys with beards and horn rim glasses, just wild estimate, bring it up in your head, I'm going to start and say, I'd say 73 guys with beards and horn rim glasses. Bill, what was your number? Uh, I don't have a number. I was looking at the women. I should have asked Mike first because you already won. <laughs> Mike, what was your number? I think it was just one guy I saw over and over and over. <laughs> <laughs> but that was definitely, I might add, that was the costume of the con, but now I can't follow up Bill's awesome <laughs> statement. You, you win the podcast. All right. Good job. Thank you. Um, first timer. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, sir. Uh, but I mean, I've, I've had a really fun time so far. I've done a lot of just sort of walking around and wandering this year. I haven't done as much. I'm very proud because the last thing we need more of in our house is prints. Mm. But prints are so easy to buy because it's something awesome. Like it's something awesome to look at. And it's an easy way to get something neat from the artist. Like if you don't want to spring for a sketch, 
uh, but you want something a little more special than just one of their comic books or something they've worked on. The print is kind of that middle ground. You yeah, know? exactly. But, my gosh, we've probably got a stack of 50 at home that are waiting for frames. And then there are the guys who, instead of doing 11 by 17, decide they want to make it like 12 and an eighth by 22 and 7 eighths. Yeah, right. It's some weird frame that you pay, you know, you pay 20 bucks for the print and then you've got to go spend 60 for a frame for it. I did see something today uh, regarding prints that I've never seen before. Someone uh, bought a, was buying a print from an artist. Uh, and they were like, oh, this is pretty awesome. And, uh, and the artist started, he's like, do you want it signed? And he's like, and yeah, and could you, what did he call it? Embellish? Could you embellish it for me? And, which I guess means draw a little sketch on it? Like under the signature or yeah, whatever? Yeah. And I'm like, and so, uh, the, the, the artist was like, I don't think, he seemed familiar with this term. But he was just like, yeah, yeah, sure, I guess. And he was kind of, de- like, not demanding, but he was kind of like, you know, can you do it this or this or this? And 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 it didn't cost any more for the print. And I thought... Sneaky. That is kind of sneaky. So they're going to have to start putting signed print $20, embellished print $28. Exactly. Oh, that's terrible. We as consumers are horrible people. It's just... They get the most for our dollar, dollar. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly. That's interesting, though, the embellished. Because I've seen creators that just do that. Like mm-hmm. when Box Brown signed his Andre the Giant book, he just drew a little right. Phantom Troublemaker in yeah. there. Like, we didn't, it wasn't even any big deal. I, I must admit, I've gotten so spoiled that I, I almost expect when I give a, particularly a hardcover, to an artist to sign, mm-hmm. to, for them to do something. Yeah. And today... I'm not going to say who it was, but today I did get, uh, I did have an artist sign my hardcover and I was pretty excited and he just went, like you can't see this because it's an audio podcast, but he just kind of went, scribble, 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 and then that was it. Like, and back, it took him like literally like maybe two tenths of a second to like scribble his like initials on it. And that was it. And I thought, well, that was rewarding. Yeah, I've, I've never had, when I brought a hardcover to somebody, I've never had them not draw something in it or yeah. like offer I mean I'm not expecting a huge like right, right. and usually little. and usually some of them have really cool like things that they do in there um, yeah. uh, particularly Francesco Francavilla I mean if you give him a hardcover to sign I watched him sign a couple of them today and he does really something special in every one of them mm. and, and in addition to his signature so um, yeah, he's outstanding that Amanda Connor it's the mm. same way. She she did. Uh, I brought her a hardcover last year, and uh, she signed it and did a little sketch in it. And then I bought one of her con books, you know, the little sketchbooks or whatever. Sure. And she like did up the whole front cover of that thing. I mean, she was she was super sweet and like. I, her and, and her husband Jimmy both Jimmy seemed actually, to have a lot of fun. Yeah, when I gave uh, Jimmy one of the Jonah Hex hardcovers to sign, I mean, he went kind of crazy in the inside cover as well. So, I mean, he's got artistic talent. People think of him as just as a writer now, and I'm like, you know, he used to draw. Right, right. But it's because he's such a fantastic writer. Yeah. Um, well, that uh, I think that kind of covers the fun of Heroes Con. Uh, any final thoughts? It's a fun show. Uh, if you like comics, there's no reason not to go to Heroes. Yeah, unless you're, you know, on Mars or something. In which case, it might be kind of a long commute. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a show that 
uh, people don't really still know about, and uh, I would encourage them to uh, give it a chance and check it out. I think they'll find it a very pleasant experience, a very laid-back experience, and a very rewarding experience. And as you said, it's also uh, fun for the whole family. Yes. Yeah. Family, it's one of the few shows that family you can feel comfortable without taking a, about taking your whole family to. Yeah, that's a really, lot of kids running around the floor. That's definitely the the probably the main selling point for me because I, I kind of get what I need out of cons from from a lot of the different cons I go to, but that really is what makes Heroes special for me personally is that it's family friendly. I can bring my son. Um, and it is laid back enough so that Mrs. Troublemaker doesn't feel like setting people on fire within 10 minutes of walking inside. <laughs> and really, I think that's what it's all about. Uh, Mike and Bill, thanks for sitting down with me. I appreciate it. And now here it is, the moment nobody's been waiting for. Uh, I'm not proud of this story, and if it wasn't so hilarious and ridiculous, I, I wouldn't be sharing it here. But... Uh, it, it's a thing that happened, and I think it's really funny. And, you know, I, I don't have any shame about it because the human body is a wondrous and magical uh, mechanical thing that does lots of stuff that we don't like. And sometimes that stuff happens when maybe it's not such a good time for it to happen. So here's a story about that. Do you have a Jake the Snake figure? I think I, Yoga would uh, take the Snake. I think once. I do. He opened the door for me, and I was like, "You're this, What is this nice. series called? Because I have that was the entrance. Oh, okay. Well, there was signature it. moments or something like that. Warrior. Yeah, yeah. All right. Hey, Phantom Maniacs! I'm doing something I've never done before. I am recording the intro to this episode of the podcast uh, live with some folks because I have a story that I want to tell. Uh, from something that happened at Heroes Con, and I feel like I need an audience for it. If I was just talking to the computer, I don't feel like the story would go over quite as well, or I wouldn't be as enthusiastic, or or whatever. I felt like I needed some people here to listen to it. Uh, but this is the Heroes Con uh, episode of the podcast. I've got some interviews here uh, that I'll do introductions to later. But this is the introduction to the whole podcast. And sitting down here with me... Uh, our rescue John. Hi. Uh, we have Jonathan from WrestlingWithPopCulture.com. Hello. And his lovely lady friend Jesse. Hey And we have just finished watching the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, which I think was pretty entertaining. What do you guys think? I liked it. I would, it was it was solid. There was some good stuff. I'm not pleased with the outcome, but it was good. Right. I don't think anybody's really happy about John Cena winning. Uh, I know my son was, was predicting. I, I won't say he was rooting for Randy Orton, it was but that was his pre- prediction. It was a good prediction for Randy Orton. It was a sensible prediction for right. Randy Orton. Right. Which I'm very proud that he has the, the wrestling smarts to have thought, well, Orton's probably going to win, even though I don't want that to happen. That was smart. But the reason I have you guys down here uh, after watching the pay-per-view is I have a little story to tell you about something that happened to me while I was in Charlotte, North Carolina at Heroes Con. Um, nobody sitting in this room knows this story, uh, which which is kind of the optimal thing for me to, to, me to be telling it. Uh, I've had a few beverages also, which is probably going to make it either either more entertaining or more irritating. I don't know. We'll find out as the story goes on. So, I was in Charlotte, North Carolina for Heroes Con, 
Uh, I spent a good portion of the weekend hanging out with Mike Gordon and Cousin Bill of the ESO Network. And Friday night, I went out to eat with Mike and Bill. Uh, this was, we went to a destination Italian spot that Mike and Bill go to every year. The food is really, really good there. Like, they were very excited about bringing a new person. Like, you know how when you've got this good restaurant that you like, that you feel like, oh, I discovered this place. Mm -hmm. And that feeling when you bring somebody that hasn't been there before, you're like, oh, you're you're like, (laughs) I'm going to introduce this person to this new experience. You're waiting to see that look in their eyes that they get it. Yes, Yes, exactly. (laughs) So they're bringing me to their Italian spot, and they're super excited. So we it's about 15 minutes away from Cannes. Uh, we drive out there. Mike's driving. And we get there, and it's a nice little Italian place. Like, it's not it's not run down or anything. Like, it's a pretty solid spot, and it's not a franchise chain. It's not like Olive Garden or anything like that. So we get out there, and I order the chicken parmesan, uh, which I shouldn't be eating any Italian food right now, <laughs> thanks to my horrible health prognosis that I got a couple of months ago. But I'm on vacation, and I'm like, I'm, you know what? I'm going to have fun. And I figure chicken parmesan is like the most harmless thing I can get that's not a salad. Because mm. salads, chicken. Salad, chicken salad is bullshit. Yeah. I eat a salad. He brought me a salad to eat for lunch. And you were hungry like an hour later, lunch, right? I was. Salads don't do anything. So I ordered chicken parmesan. I was like, okay, there'll be some breading on it. I won't eat the pasta. It'll be semi-okay. And I'm on vacation. And I've got my Lipitor, right? So I'm good. So they bring out this chicken parmesan, and it's these two gigantic chicken breasts that are like the size of steaks. They're Mm. massive. They're very lightly breaded, so I don't feel too guilty about eating these things. And they've got a really good sauce on it. It's a house sauce. It's not like ragu or something. It's a really good house sauce. And I polish these things off. Mm -hmm. Like, they were super good. This place was really, really, like, taste-wise was really good. So we're sitting there talking and hanging out and discussing podcasts and nerdery and the stuff that we do as part of the ESO network. And at one point in the conversation, I'm like, hey, I'm going to take a visit to the gentleman's room. So I get up, and you've you've already figured out a portion of what this story is all about, but you have no idea where it's going. Oh, I'll tell you. oh! I get I take a trip to the gentleman's room, and I get in there, and uh, this isn't a standing trip. Once I get into the room, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to need a seat. So I get in there, and uh, things get bad, and uh, I'm in there for a minute. And I was like, wow! I wasn't expecting that. But I, I got in there, took care of business, got up, walked back out to the table, and I was like, wow, that was, that was unpleasant. Uh, but maybe that's done with. So I talked to, to Mike and Cousin Bill for a little bit longer. And we're like, okay, we're cool. It's time to go back to the Westin, which, if you don't know, the Westin is like the party spot for the con. Yeah. Um, the convention center in Charlotte is where Heroes Con takes place. But the West End is right next door, so in the evenings, everybody hangs out in the bar of the West End. Uh, just because it's the closest place, it's the central place where all the comic book artists... Because this is a comic book convention. It's not like Dragon Con, where people are partying in the hotel all night long. <laughs> There's not really... Exactly. <laughs> There's not really anywhere to go, so you hang out in the bar of the West End. So we're like, alright, we're done eating, let's head back to the bar of the West End, have some adult beverages, and, and see what's going on. So we get up to leave, and before we leave, I'm like, you know what? 
let me go visit the gentleman's room again. Uh-huh. I go back into the gentleman's room and have a minor explosion. <laughs> uh, and I not everybody is like this, but I'll tell you right now, sometimes things hit me really quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Straight light. Yeah, right. It burns straight on through. So I go in there, and I have a second experience, and it's really unpleasant, and I think, but when it's over, I'm like, all right, I think I'm good. I'm done. Because we've got a 15-minute drive. I don't want to get back into that car and not know that these pipes are clean. But I thought I was, I I was like, you know what? Okay, that was pretty bad, but I think I'm good to go. There's no gurgling going on. There's no bubbling. I think I'm all right. Let's get back in the car and we'll head back to the Westin and do some party. So we get back in the car, we drive back over to the Westin, and the thing is, Mike and Cousin Bill were actually staying in the Hampton Inn, which is about three blocks away from the Westin. We pull up and hit a traffic light beside the Westin. And Mike, being a super nice guy, Mike's like, hey, man, do you want to just hop out here, and then we'll walk back up and meet with you? And I'm like, dude, I'm a solid guy. I'm like, I'm not going to hop out here and make you guys drive back and meet me. That's not cool. You drove us to dinner. I'm hanging with you. We're going to go to the Hampton parking lot, and then I'm going to walk back... Yes, I should have gotten out. We're gonna go. Should have done. Yes, we're going. We go to the Hampton parking lot, and I'm I'm like I'm hanging with you because I'm a bro. And we get back, and as soon as we get out of the car, I sense something is wrong. There's an issue with my guts. You got damn we, bubble guts. I really, I, it was beyond bubble guts. It was bubble butts at that point. If, if bubble butts was a negative term, um, we got to we got we got to the edge of the Hampton parking lot, and I knew there was a serious problem. Um, soon ceased to be a condition there was only now and and too late those were going to be the only things and i told bill and cuz or i told mike and cousin bill i said hey guys and i was trying to sound as, no 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 i i tried to sound as nonchalant as possible because i didn't want them to be concerned i said hey fellas you guys go ahead and I'll catch up with you, trying to give the impression that maybe I needed to make a text message or a phone call or something like that. You're a busy man. We were behind the NASCAR museum. Now, I feel like maybe I shouldn't specify where this took place, but I'm going to because nobody is going to listen to this. Like, I have 20 people that listen to this podcast, and you guys aren't going to tell on me, right? No. So... Yeah, exactly. Three of them are sitting right here. Maybe if I'm lucky. So, thankfully, Mike and Cousin Bill saw fit to just go and not be like, Hey, man, do you need some help with something? What's wrong? Why are you telling us this? They didn't ask any questions. They just kept going. We were we were behind the NASCAR museum. 
there is a little park of sorts behind the NASCAR museum that consists of nine circular benches that have nine trees growing up out of the middle of the circular benches. So picture a bench that's a perfect circle with a tree growing up out of the middle. As soon as Mike and Cousin Bill were past the corner of the building, I ran to the ninth tree that was the furthest from the intersection that we were on. And this was an intersection. There were cars going by. There were people walking on the sidewalk. I ran to the furthest tree. I pulled my shorts down to just below my butt, but still covering my balls because I didn't want to be any more exposed than I absolutely had to be. I grabbed onto the tree limb and I hung my ass over the interior circle of the the bench. And I blasted off as though I were a spaceship attempting to achieve orbit. And this lasted a good two minutes. A frothy brown liquid just shot out of my anus. Like a, almost like a thick pudding. And I was crying as this happened. Oh, that happens with good poop. So, I did this for a minute. I was sweating. Sweat was streaming out of my forehead and out of my armpits and probably out of my ass. But there were other things coming out of my ass that were a much bigger concern at that time. Finally, it's the, the deluge halted. I took a breath and realized that I had no means to tidy myself up. So I pulled up on the tree limb and scraped my ass across the corner of the bench. Oh my god. As best, like a dog dragging its in, in swollen glands across the carpet. Gross, gross. Got up onto the bench and just sat there and breathed for a minute, <laughs> conscious of the fact that there were cars going by and oh my that. God. There were people having conversations on the sidewalk. And the the thing is, at the time, I was in severe dismay, in a terrible, terrible situation. And my brain convinced me that these people didn't see me. Yeah, right. Oh, no. The next day, I took a picture of this locale in daylight. And I realized it's not that these people didn't see me. It's that they were not looking at me. They knew you don't miss a six foot four, 260-pound guy shitting his brains out in the middle of a park. You don't miss that. So these nice Charlotte folk were kind enough to just carry on with their after-dinner chats and walk by the... They're right. They're very sweet people. So anyway, I was sitting on the bench trying to figure out what to do, and everything bubbled up again, and I realized there was another event in the making. But I couldn't scoot back to my former position because there was a, a line of feces from from the corner of the bench to the middle of the bench. So I had to very quickly scoot over, grab another tree limb, and move myself back into bench position to blast off once again. 
And another deluge of frothy mess just oh exited God. my ass. Dang. <laughs> yes. You Thank didn't you. Tell me, I'd figure this out. I just told a poop story. You were totally right. Uh, I so explosion story before. It was bad. So I the second time, I really felt like okay, that was it. No. I I was and I was like a withered husk of a man. Like I felt I felt like a sea cucumber that has expelled its innards at a predator at that point. So there had been people on the sidewalk, but now I heard like a group coming. Like you know how group chat sounds? Yeah. Like more than two people talking. Panic there was a group coming. And I didn't, like, I knew I was done, so I felt like some, I I thought about a sock. I was like, can I get, can I get my sock off before these people come from wherever they're coming from? And I just didn't have the agility and the quickness, so I did the ass scrape again and yanked my pants up and just ran towards the corner of the building from whence I had last seen Mike and Cousin Bill. Now, obviously, you're wondering at this point, you are not clean and clear for an evening of partying. Your hindquarters are bound to be a mess at this point. You can't just hang out at a comic book convention and interact with with comic book artists and inkers and writers for the rest of the evening while enjoying Miller Lite beers. So I catch up with Mike and Cousin Bill they're right at the next intersection. They've been waiting for me, but thoughtfully out of sight. Mm-hmm. And Mike turns to me and he says, Hey, do you need to pee or something? And I looked at Mike and I said, I did not need to pee. <laughs> we then walked up the street, across the street on the very next block from where I had had my violent bowel atrocities. There's a Two police cars with six police officers standing across the street. And on the same side of the street as we're walking, there's a police car with two officers in it looking at a video screen. In my head, this video screen was almost certainly tuned to the cameras that were focused on the park from where I just evacuated my bowels violently. But we walked by the police car. Nobody jumped out and grabbed me and threw me down on the car and inspected my trousers like I totally expected was going to happen. We walked by with no incident. We got It's just poop. But I think most civilized societies frown on the expulsion of poop in public areas, particularly behind the NASCAR museum. Because that Dale would not appreciate that. Um, but we made it back to the Westin. I went into the Westin restrooms, which are very nice and, and don't deserve the sort of thing that I had going on at all. Got into the West End and I inspected the damage and it wasn't as horrible as I thought it would be. Uh, I cleaned up as best I could. I went back out and met with Mike and Cousin Bill and I said, guys, I think it's time for me to go home. Now, here's the problem with this. We're staying with some friends that live 40 minutes away. 
I don't want to get into the car for 40 minutes with what I've just experienced. <laughs> so I go and I tell the Grand Hoff, uh, who happened to be there with the lovely little pond, uh, I tell the Grand Hoff what's up, and I'm like, look, I'm going to make another trip. I'm going to come check in with you guys, and then I'm probably going to go home because I don't really feel like partying anymore after this park experience. Uh, hard. I partied much harder than I'd ever planned to. Um, I, it had to be, because all I'd eaten all day long, my diet now consists of bland, boring foods that I eat the same thing every single day. So all day long, I'd been eating nothing but, like, granola and fruit. So it had to be the chicken. But I don't want to disparage the Italian restaurant, because it might have been me. It could have been me. just like, hell no. Yeah, and that's what I feel like I was being punished for deviating from my <laughs> from my health induced diet. Now, like maybe the Lipitor has some kind of weird programming where if you go too far off track, it'll take revenge on you. But uh, so yeah, I hung around for just a few minutes and until I felt comfortable with my bowel situation, and I got back in the car and I head back to the the house and. And took a shower for about 40 minutes, 30 minutes of which were focused around my butt area. Uh, so that was that was my exciting Heroes Con experience, and I'm so glad I was able to share it with you guys, and I'm sure you really appreciate me sharing it. Thank you very much. And now it's time uh, to talk to Box Brown, who wrote Andre the Giant Life and Legend, and who I will be communicating with, hopefully to adapt... Uh, the legend of Phantom Troublemaker's poo problem. We'll see. Box, box. if you're listening to this, uh, I would love for you to take care of that story. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, if you're going to do Andre's story, I don't know why you wouldn't want to do Phantom Troublemaker's poop story right after that. So uh, here's Box Brown. I am at Heroes Con. I am talking to Box Brown, uh, the creator of Andre the Giant Life and Legend, which I've mentioned on the site a few times and on Facebook. And uh, he's currently drawing me in my copy of the book, which is awesome. Uh, thanks for talking, man. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. What, how how did this happen? How, how did you end up deciding to do an entire book of Andre's biography, basically? Um, well, you know, I was always a big wrestling fan. and. Yeah. You know, uh, I had seen the Andre um, A and E biography, yeah, like yeah, ten or fifteen years ago, and and so I always kind of, and I was blown away by it, you know, WWE kind of only tells talks about WrestleMania three, and I was kind of around at the tail end of Andre's career, but he was, it wasn't the same as, you know, he had this past glory, yeah. that you know they don't talk really about in in WWE. Well, they do that with everybody, you yeah. know, your your WWE career is kind of all that exists. Sure. They don't really go that far back with him, though, I guess. Because it's so the, 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 the WrestleMania 3 thing was so iconic. You know, he had all the, that run earlier in the WWE with the, the giant machines and all mm-hmm. that. They, they don't ever talk about that, which was a really funny and cool storyline, the way they did that. Um, 
But anyway, so uh, I thought that uh, it would just make a really cool comic. Like, uh, I was doing all this research. Not a lot. I was just, like, looking up Andre. Like, I had uh-huh. gotten into uh, watching shoot interviews, and they would always tell Andre stories. And uh, I had was looking up Andre, and I read this, I read that he had gotten a ride to school from Samuel Beckett. And I was like, that makes that would make an awesome comic. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I made that into a comic, and then I made the Bad News Brown story into a comic, and then another one, and then before, before too long, I had about 100 pages together. And then I pitched that to um, First Second, and they were like, well, how about if we do a real full biography? And I was like, okay. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so, but I ended up redrawing uh, those first 100 pages and adding a whole bunch and, you know, correcting a lot of the research and stuff. So, Well, what's cool is that you actually referenced all of your sources in yeah. the back. So once you read your book, you can go track down everything that you got your story material from and, and fill out the story even more. Sure, sure. I mean, um, that was really, it was really, really important to me to um, kind of get it as correctly and as truthfully as I could. Right, right. And um, so I, I wanted to make sure everything was documented and treat it like a really scholarly thing. Well, and I like that you made it clear that uh, some of the stories that are referenced are, this is how this guy told the story. Yeah, yeah. You know. Everything needed notes because the, you know, the, the nature of truth in pro wrestling is such that... <laughs> You know, everything is, take everything, every single thing considered true with a grain of salt. Right, yeah. right. Which is well, which is why Life and Legend is such a good title. Yeah, yeah. Because it is the legend of Andre. Right, right. What, what were you doing prior to this? Like, what's your background with, with cartooning and storytelling? Uh, you know, I kind of just been so, was self-publishing for a really long time. I'm an indie cartoonist. Um, you know, I did, I, I started out doing web comics and then I was just doing mini comics and, you know, I had a few things published in the small press world and, and just trying to, you know, build my own little world. Right, right. Get your name out. Yeah, and uh, this has become a lot, a lot bigger than I ever thought it would be. <laughs> it, well, it's interesting because, you know, it was offered in previews and because I'll do on my site, I'll do kind of a previews rundown every month where I'll just pick out stuff that I think sure. looks neat and and I mentioned this one, put in my order, and I, I actually do announcing for a wrestling company oh, down cool. in Atlanta. Oh, awesome. And all the wrestlers were like, what is that? Where do I get that? And I was like, go to your comic shop. Yeah, order yeah, it yeah. right now. Yeah. And it, the, like, it's got buzz, man. Yeah. And, and I, you know, even prior to that, it just, it looks, the front looks iconic. Like, yeah. just everything about it, it's it's very much Andre, you know what I mean? Like, it's very respectful of Andre. It's very symbolic of, of him. Like, it's such a cool thing and again the the art that you've got in there it's so expressive and beautiful and perfect for the subject matter it's all it's it uh it, that's just me you know what i mean this is how i tell a story but it's like i think i just identified with andre as being you know i i grew up i felt like an outsider always i was into wrestling and comics yeah. kind of not you know i went to a high school that was all sport you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh 
Oh, believe Everybody me. Everybody knows. I know exactly. And um, yeah. I just always felt like an outsider, and I kind of just identified with that aspect of Andre's life. What, and it's, what's interesting is you're right. WWE really only focuses on the end of his career and, and how it pertains to, to passing the torch to Hogan. Sure. Rarely do they focus on Andre himself. Right. Like There's this, no Andre DVD. Yeah, which is insane. And yeah. you're right. The a that came out around the same time as that Unreal Story of Pro Wrestling, yep. which I think is the best documentary. Yeah, it's very, very good. Yeah. Um, what Growing up watching wrestling, who were the guys that, like, really turned you on, like, got you... Oh, well, I got, kind of got into wrestling in the... What was what was known now as, like, the worst period of time, you know? Oh, so, really? Yeah, so I kind of got into wrestling at the tail end of the 80s boom show. You know, I was a Hulk Hogan fan, Ultimate Warrior, but then... See, that's when I did, too. Sure. But that was the characters, man, yeah. and that's why, like, they were superheroes, you right. know? But then right after that, they said Bret Hart was the worst champion, and blah, there was didn't sell stuff. I was like, he was the best guy. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> um, so, yeah. anyway. I kind of oh, Awesome. Thank you so much Thank for you. talking, dude. I appreciate it. And uh, let me give you a card so you can find this thing. This will go up in the next couple oh, cool. of weeks. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much, Box. I appreciate it. Wasn't Box a lovely fella? Uh, I, I would have liked to have been able to talk to him a little bit longer, but there really was a crowd building at that point. Uh, uh, Heroes was much busier Friday and Saturday, as, as I think me and Mike and Bill kind of covered uh, fairly well. And it was tough to get any more interviews. I'm glad I got the three that I got. I think they were pretty cool. And, uh, hey, how about that story, huh? Hey, NASCAR Museum. I was just kidding. I made all that stuff up. That didn't really happen. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, what can I say? Everybody poops, and uh, sometimes uh, you, you just don't have a choice in the matter. You, you got to go when you got to go. Uh, please remember to check out my shit on Facebook, uh, LPH Phantasmus. Uh, on Instagram as Phantom Troublemaker. On Twitter as Phantom Troublemaker. Although I will once again maintain that I do not understand Twitter. Uh, I, I don't, it, it doesn't work for me. I don't get it. How does it, how do you connect and get people to respond? I don't ever. Uh, and of course, uh, check out needlessthingssite.com where myself and a host of other writers cover all things movies, music, wrestling, pop culture. Uh, just uh, anybody can find something in the needless things, that cloud of topics at the bottom of the page. You'll find something in there interesting for you. I, I can guarantee it. And of course, you can find the Needless Things podcast on iTunes. You can find it on Stitcher. And I will have another episode coming up sooner than later. I feel like I'm on a roll and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, this one took me a little bit to put together, but it's going up on time. I love you guys. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.